Welcome to Roots, a music podcast. My name is Alex. And I'm Edo. And together we are on a journey to celebrate and discover the music of different cultures from around the world. In each episode, we will venture to new places under the guidance of expert musicians who are active in the traditional music scene of the region or the group of people they represent. We will learn everything there is to know about the music, what it sounds like, how it's made, who performs it, and the occasions in which it is performed. Most importantly, we'll find out how this music has evolved into the 21st century. Our guests will also workshop their music with us so that we can all experience the music directly from its source. We are so excited for you to come on this journey with us and explore the world through music. Hi everyone, this is Alex. I just wanted to say before uh, we got the show started that um, there's a part in here where I talk about a musical artist who performs and writes with Rhiannon Giddens, and um, I say his name wrong. So right up top, I'm just going to say his name is Francesco Turisi, not what I said. So if you go to look him up, look for Francesco Turisi, not the name I said. <laughs> Enjoy the show. Sorry. was a drizzling rain I woke up with a neck full of pain Hard times in a dreadful bed Can't make a living with a worry in your head Hard shadow come near my door Won't be coming round here no more Make me a life, make it great I'll be living till a hundred and days Let it rain On today's episode, we are very excited to be speaking with banjo player, composer, and writer Hilary Hawk. Originally from upstate New York, she now resides in Brooklyn, where she is one of the most sought-after musicians in a variety of genres, including folk, old-time, bluegrass, and a slew of others. Known for her ability to transition between many styles of banjo playing with fluidity and ease, she has graced the many stages of New York City and the nation at bluegrass and old-time jams, as well as frontlining in bands and music projects across the country. Her current band, The Wild Goats, recently released their first full-length album and will be going on tour this autumn. As if she couldn't be more impressive, Hillary has also appeared on Broadway as a feature banjoist in Roger and Hammerstein's Oklahoma, as well as in Steve Martin's Bright Star. Although banjo is her primary instrument, Hillary is a multi-instrumentalist performing as a singer, guitarist, bassist, clarinetist, and fiddle. Hillary is also an educator teaching up to the collegiate level. Hillary and I actually met during my undergraduate degree at the New School in an American Roots music class she was teaching. Hillary is the reason I first began playing banjo, and she is an inspiration to me in so many ways, which is why we are so excited to have her here with us today to discuss all things banjo music. Hillary, a huge welcome to you, and thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, thank you. Um, so let's just jump right in. So yeah. the first question I have is... Um, what is your personal history with a banjo? How did you get started playing? Oh, right. Um, <clears throat> that's a great question. Um, I grew up uh, 
listening to a lot of the music that my parents listen to. I think like a lot of us do. And my dad listened to a lot of folk music. So I grew up listening to songwriters like Neil Young and Bob Dylan, and then kind of people from this, um, the new folk revival, um, like Joni Mitchell and Joan Baez. And I listened to that and I loved it so much. And Neil Young always played, he always had a couple songs um, that had the banjo in it. And those were like my favorite songs. <clears throat> Excuse me. And <clears throat> here we go. <laughs> and, and so we would go camping and, and I would just like be in love with those songs like King or Old Man. And, um, and that always stuck with me, those songs. And at the same time, I was studying uh, classical music. So I played clarinet from the time I was eight and took private lessons until I got a degree in it in college. And I had that classical background. And uh, uh, then I went and I studied um, music therapy on classical guitar. So I had this like classical background and um, but I wasn't really feeling fulfilled. You know, I just I was writing songs on the guitar, but. I didn't really have anything that I felt inspired by. Um, so I feel like it was like this like mix of this these two worlds, like this folk world that I grew up listening to. <clears throat> and then this classical world that I had that I wasn't feeling inspired by. And then one day, I think I was like 19, I just bought a banjo online. And like buying things online was a lot different <laughs> back then. But um, like I just bought a banjo on a whim. I didn't even know what I was doing and I bought it. And when I got it, it was just all over. That's all I wanted to play. And I ended up just picking it up and just exploding with like ideas and creative ideas and kind of just making it my own thing in the beginning. Yeah. Does that make sense? <laughs> I feel like I just went on a tangent. Yeah, no, that's amazing. Like that's that. You, it's, so you really, you went back to it and I definitely can relate with that feeling of like being in classical music and not really knowing why <laughs> or like, and not really, and not feeling that fulfillment for that, that one might get from other genres. Um, so I, I completely understand that. And I think that's kind of what I think I, I think I sensed that from you when we first met, um, because, you know, I, you know, Hillary's my banjo teacher. Um, so, I mean, and and uh, I, I was really drawn to Hillary's um, just entire ethos of the within within music and just um, within the banjo. And so I'm really I'm thankful for that. And it's really interesting to hear. I've never heard that part of your story before. So thank you so much. Right. And that's probably a whole nother conversation because I'm sure there's people listening that are classical musicians that maybe have the same feeling. I don't know. I mean, that's a whole nother oh, realm absolutely. we could explore um, yeah, or talk I mean, about, you know. Not even necessarily in classical. Like sometimes you just pick up an instrument when you're a kid and when you grow up and you feel like, cool, I made the wrong choice. <laughs> 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 yes. Right. Yeah. I've heard that a lot from people, too. Yeah, I hear that. Yeah, exactly. But but yeah, I mean, I I think that our generation kind of grew up learning music at a very yep. young age. At least loads of people. It has become with years much more accessible. So uh, I, I I feel like there are gonna be loads of people here relating yeah. to that. <laughs> so yeah, um, I I kind of like that <laughs> of this story as well. Relatability. For once, we're doing an episode where people are probably going to be able to relate. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I guess like one thing that's a little bit different about 
um, the beginning, like when I first started playing banjo is that YouTube didn't exist yet. And, um, and there wasn't any videos online. You had to kind of like buy books and that's the only way you can learn. Or if you had a record player, which I didn't have at the time, or I didn't have a CD play. I don't know. I just didn't have those resources, um, early on. And I, uh, I kind of just went at it through like the jam like perspective. Like, so I went out and learned from, uh, playing with other people and then creating music on my own, which uh, came easier on banjo than I think on guitar or clarinet yeah. for that matter. No, I, I definitely <laughs> feel that with a yeah. banjo that like, I feel like there's a lot more artistic expression. I don't know why it's just easier to create the sounds in my opinion, in my, you know, in my year and a half of playing banjo. <laughs> but, um, so actually, you talked about jams just now. Um, that actually leads into mm. the next question I had for you, which is when when do you find yourself playing the banjo? Like, what are the occasions in which you play? Um, what is a jam? Could you maybe, um, could we explore that? That's true. Sure. As musicians, we always forget that maybe people listening have no idea what yeah, we're talking for sure. about. <laughs> for some reason, that's right. it's so yeah. obvious, but... <laughs> yeah, like, what's a jam? Does that mean, like, we're sitting in the living room and someone's, like, you yeah. know, rocking out on a blues or something? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's I think that's, like, a jam in a sense. And I guess for this type of music, uh, what I what we mean, like, when we say jam is, like, it's more of a, co- like, community event. And uh, by, <clears throat> by community, I mean, like, it's uh, a group of people that want to play this same type of music, um... And typically this type of music is learned by ear and you learn it from other people just by playing the songs over and over again with them. Maybe like once a week you go to a parking lot and everybody gets in a circle and you like kind of round robin go around and each person calls a tune and then you all play the same song together. And um, in, in old time music, you don't really take solos. You don't really improvise so much you might play variations, but you don't really improvise. Um, but you play the same song together over and over again. And you learn like the history of the melody. You learn like really well the song just by playing it together. Um, like in that way. And in old what time kind music. of um, other instruments are usually at a jam, like within this genre? Yeah. Uh, typically you, well, you have a guitar, um, hopefully you have a bass sometimes it's hard to get that (laughs) bass player out there um hopefully you got a bass a guitar uh usually they're fiddle led so like you'll have like a a main fiddler there that's like like kind of leading the tunes or kicking them off a lot of the time um and uh, a banjo um if it's bluegrass jam you're gonna have uh, more mandolins um and uh, and a resonator banjo instead of a instead of a claw hammer banjo, you'll have a finger picking banjo in the bluegrass jams. Ooh, these are all yeah. really interesting words that I'm dying to ask you about. Yes. I, I knew about claw hammering, um, but I guess most people actually are confused by that term rather than fingerstyle, maybe. Um, but of course, we're talking about a few genres, so maybe maybe instead of getting to the technique, why don't we tackle technique? And genre at the same time, because we talked about uh, all dance. Was that the all name time. of the style? All time. Oh, sorry. We'll edit that. All time. Was that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and bluegrass. And I'm, I'm sure there's more. I'm completely ignorant about uh, the 
these these types of styles. So maybe maybe we could tackle these two at the same time, uh, technique and style. Yeah. Listen, people that play this music even get confused about the terms, and it's like the terms they're just there, and like just like the word genre, like it's just like so hard to put sure. things in boxes yeah. anyway. So you know, um, but typically old time music is with an open back banjo, so there's no back to it, and it's like a handmade banjo that you strum downwards, and you create kind of like a rhythmic strumming effect to the banjo. Um, and then this style of music is a little bit older. It's, it's coming from, uh, it's like music from, uh, immigrants. So it's coming from people that settled in America from Scotland, British Isles, Wales, and Ireland. So that's where this music is coming from, uh, for old time music. Um, and, uh, uh, so that's, yeah, so that's kind of where this music comes from. And it's really fiddle heavy. So like you're thinking about Ireland and you're thinking about fiddles coming over and yeah, and a, and a lot of that sound. Um, and so let's just switch to bluegrass for a second. <clears throat> and bluegrass music a lot sometimes is the same songs as old time music. Um, but that came about around the 1940s, early 1940s. So it's a lot newer of a music and it was uh, popularized by Bill Monroe and his Bluegrass Boys. And there was specifically a resonator banjo. So this, this kind of banjo has a back to it and it's made, it has metal parts and it projects more. And you're playing it with fing metal finger picks and you're uh, playing very fast and there's a lot of improvisation. Sometimes people relate it to like bebop jazz because it's fast, it's technical. And there's, yeah, and there's a lot of... Um, improvisation going on I see, in that I style. See. I think I'm more familiar with bluegrass than probably Bella Fleck and, and yeah. <laughs> that sort yeah, of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And it's so fun. Both styles are great. They're amazing, you know? I, I, I can imagine. I'm sure. I always love a variety in music. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily have to be a competition at all. Thank you. Um, great. I think we tackled two very, very interesting concepts. And uh, I'm going to ask one more follow-up. So today's episode, uh, it, it's really uh, focusing on Appalachian music. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the blame uh, for everybody. Uh, I've heard Appalachian, I've heard Appalachian. I'm also not a, a, an English native speaker, so I'm probably butchering both of these and I'm remembering wrong. But what's the appropriate way <laughs> of calling this, this, this genre? And what are we talking about when we talk about it as well? How does it differ from bluegrass or are they both styles of Appalachian music? Yeah, that's a great question. And yeah, it's, I guess the kind of the correct i don't want to say correct because somebody's gonna be upset but the correct way of pronouncing it is appalachia 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 so you're i'm throwing an apple at you amazing um and that's that's kind of the way to remember it and um it's the mountain region that a lot of times is uh thought of like the southern states the southern eastern states uh, or central states so we're talking about a mountain range that actually spans from um, let's say like Georgia to Canada. So it actually goes that far, but I think, uh, uh well, old time music is, uh, was the heritage is in the Southern, um, Appalachian, uh, states. So we're talking about Kentucky, West Virginia, Virginia, um, North Carolina, South Carolina, and then, but it goes up to, uh, Pennsylvania, Maryland. Did I say that already? 
uh, it goes through New York and Vermont and New Hampshire, all the way up to Canada. So there's a lot of it. Yeah. So another question I wanted to ask then about that, because I know that you're from upstate New York. So um, could you maybe talk about how that tradition, how the how the old time tradition, um, how that differs from the like the old time tradition in upstate New York, how that might differ from down south or, you know, is there are there a lot of differences or if is it is it more similar than we may think? Mm, Yeah, it's it's definitely different Um, in upstate New York and northern New York. There's, um, you know, the Catskill Mountains are part of the Appalachian mountain range. Um, and then you get into the Green Mountains in Vermont, which is really close to upstate New York. And um, and just like the culture up there is like with music, it's just like a little more isolated. And I feel like that's the same kind of thing that's happening in like West Virginia. And Virginia is you get these like isolated communities where that's what's happening is like this music. So you go and the event is to play music and jam with other people. Cause there's not a lot of other options, especially in Northern New York, it gets really cold. <laughs> so sometimes you're just going to someone's house and you're playing music and that's like the event or, you know, I mean, maybe not since COVID, but um, mm. like, that's, that's what it's like. And, in you know, the mountains of uh, West Virginia and, you know, there's a region, a regional sound that happens because people are gathering together in these like isolated communities and, and you get like a sound from West Virginia, a sound from North Carolina that's different from other places. So definitely New York has its own musical sound compared to those other places. I, that's kind of how I think of it is like the sound of different regions. Does that make sense? That's like a little yeah. bit like weird to think about. But I mean, yeah. the blues kind of has the same doesn't it? Like, you know, we, we, we have all of these uh, sub-genres that very often have very blurry borders as well. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah they, they have like this little character here and there. And then I guess the way they developed then in modernity also, it may be more extreme and it makes certain characters more identifiable. But, um, but yeah, I think it totally makes sense. European folk is the same, actually, as well. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, yeah? Uh, I mean, not that I'm an expert of it, but um, you've got certain types of styles, but uh, some of them were played differently in different, uh, I want to say chords, but, but it was not court music, was it? Um, <laughs> in different uh, mm. kingdoms or whatever they were city-states back in the days. Um, so I think it totally makes sense, uh, especially when we think about traditional musics that are older than the advent of the computer or the television or recorded music in general. Of course, everything transmits more slowly. Yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense that it would be, yeah, the same there. Like, I feel like in Ireland, there's different, like, regions, and that's, I've heard all, yeah, I've heard that that's kind of the same thing. That's really, that's really cool. I gotta look more into that. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, actually, I, I, this is a little off topic, but um, Rhiannon Giddens just she's doing a lot of um, work now with Francesco Torini, I think his name is, and he's Italian. And she just put out this beautiful banjo and folk. It's an Italian folk song arrangement um, called Si Dolce Tormento. And it's like the most it's so haunting because like it's and it's just so I feel like I'm looking at 
a quintessential like melting pot air quote situation because it's just the banjo slots in so well with the Italian and it's just you know I feel like maybe that's the next um jump from like you know everyone everyone came over and like you know we had the different we had the immigrants coming over in the United States and now and that's what that's what started up this whole like new these new genres of music. But now it's like with the well, you know with the internet, it's now we can literally cross oceans and we can just make music that's so that's that's still at its core is traditional, but with elements from all these different places. So it's really interesting. Um, I love I love that. I guess in that same vein and like in and and coming from um tradition and all of that you mentioned that this is an oral tradition and it's being passed down um by word of mouth I guess and just by ear but is there are there like certain writers and composers air quotes again um of these songs that that stick out or are you know who who is who is writing these songs and how do they get put into the canon um, mm-hmm. in, and, and are just known, I suppose? Right. There's not a lot of known writers of these songs. I mean, it's more like influencers of these songs. You, and then we call them like sources. You, you find like the original source recordings of the songs. But um, they, they really came over... <clears throat> like any kind of ballad singing came over from England. Um, there you go. And <laughs> Wales and uh, like the British Isles and uh, like the ballads are kind of um, beautiful historical songs um, that were sung a cappella uh, that don't have a chorus. They tell a story. Um, and those songs came over and some of them had music that got put to them Um and then uh, those some of those melodies got changed, or some of those melodies, sorry, had the lyrics get changed. So the melodies remained the same, and people changed lyrics to them. And they call this kind of like the folk process or the oral tradition of taking melodies and the lyrics are changing, and there's no known songwriter. It's just kind of being changed by culture and history um, through the, the music and wherever they're being played. That's incredible. That's it a, is really cool. And so I cool. just like one other like thing to add to that is um, the not only was music being like passed down, uh, like learning a technique or learning an instrument or learning these songs, it's uh, values and aesthetics like were being passed through the songs. So like a lot of the songs lyrics, like they try to like they try to give you values about life, you know, um, 
through the songs, you know, there's a famous band, the Carter family. They're like the famous country mm-hmm. family that first made a lot of this music popular. And they're, uh, the male in that group, A.P. Carter, actually worked with a black fiddler. Um, Riddle was his name. And he, uh, together, they took some of these old songs and the Carter family put lyrics to them. But these were old songs that didn't have writers. But actually, the Carter family takes credit for a lot of these old songs when they had didn't necessarily write them. They wrote the lyrics, but um, I think like when you, when you talk about like Woody Guthrie and the Carter family and um, I'm forgetting somebody here, but Woody Guthrie and the Carter family, like these are people that like change the lyrics to a lot of songs or um, yeah, there's other people, but later on um, that did that. They're kind of like the first known ones to do that. Um, but yeah, so there's no known writers uh, that I know of of this music, just kind of like influencers, you know? That's so cool. <laughs> yeah. That's very yeah. interesting. Yeah. Uh, I, I wonder how much of a mess it might be with copyright laws and stuff like that right now. Uh, there's a very, well, not, not necessarily very similar, but a similar, uh, uh, I want to say issue, it's probably not the right word, but with uh, West African music. And now there are loads of... Um, jellies uh, so like we, 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 talk, we talked about mm-hmm. it in our first episode with Kajali right um, of course Hilary you weren't there but yeah <laughs> they're uh, kind of like storytellers and, and musicians and they, they also have a, a, a bunch of other functions in, in society there and they're the custodians of the repertoire and the repertoire has been passed down generations to generation and some of the songs are 800 yeah. years old and stuff like that. And uh, some right now, we've, of course, the new world music market as well. Loads of the composers are taking a song. Then again, the word song is probably not right because they're templates, uh, kind of like taking the 12-bar yeah. blues, sort of. A little more complex than that. It's also a melodic and lyrical template as well. But um, And they're basically registering their own version, recorded version, with a different title. So, like, the song Tutujara will not be called Tutujara. It will be called something else in order to be copyrightable. Because oh. um, uh, so- sometimes, I mean, copyright laws are just made to accommodate whatever uh, the music is and the music production and, and the rights work in a certain culture, right? And uh, when they're extended to everything else, maybe they don't work. And in, in these cases, don't work. So how does it work? Um, is copyright more important than the transformation process? In certain traditions, yes. In maybe certain others, no. So is it right for these people to take money? I don't know. It's an interesting discussion. I wonder if that applies here. Sorry, I went on a, a <laughs> tangent here. But uh, very interesting to yeah. hear. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm sure that. a lot of people think that the, I mean, there are people out there that think that the Carter family should have not, shouldn't have taken those songs without giving credit to the people that um, they got them from, which they didn't give credit to. Um, so, yeah, I think it would be an issue these days. Uh, at that time, nobody mm-hmm. had ever heard these songs. So there's like this also the side, the Carter family made this music known. Nobody would have heard it. Um I mean, if it wasn't for them popularizing it, commercializing it. So it's like a fine line, you know? Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. I would have a st- an- another stingy follow-up yeah, question, actually, to that, because it just came to mind. Um, it's, it's a difficult one. Uh, but 
of course, the, the banjo has very likely, uh, I, I'm not sure if they're confirmed, but I think it's 90% sure African origin as an instrument, right? So I'm wondering if, like, to, to what point this also has a an unfortunate racial and uh, something that today we would call appropriation. Of course, at the time, things were different, mentalities were different and all of that, but to what point, uh, at, to your knowledge at least, uh, that was a component? Because, of course, loads of the songs, loads mm -hmm. of the influence, as, as you said, came from uh, Northern Europe. But um, that's also true mm -hmm. for the blues. But despite that, I think that, I don't know, I don't want to do percentages here, but uh, the macro imprint was West African or African in general. Um, I wonder if there's also these kind of doubts or discussions uh, being had on certain music that's also very often like uh, associated with American whiteness as well. So I, th I think it's also like a very dodgy, uh, potentially a, a dodgy field uh, to, uh, no, that to doesn't tread. make any sense. A dodgy field uh, to tread. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's a troublesome, it's a troublesome potentially conversation, right? Uh, uh, sorry to put, to, to, to put so much pressure oh. <laughs> on you, but. <laughs> no, and actually the, the, like the feeling that you're having is, uh, I think a, a great feeling to be having because it's, it's the, the correct feeling, I think, because the banjo was brought over from West Africa by enslaved black people. Like that's where it came from, like as a gourd instrument or I think, um, uh, another word for it was called the banza or the accounting. It came over and it was played, you know, in slave plantations and work songs and labor songs. And it was played by primarily black people for 200 years, you know. And uh, what is also happening is uh, that after the emancipation of slavery in 1865, so like, so black people are playing the banjo and white people are learning it from black people. So, um, so that's happening all in the South. And in 1865, when slavery was emancipated, it's from what I've heard from Rhiannon Giddens and from other great, um, black banjo players like Jake Blount is that, um, they didn't want to remember the association of uh, black people and slavery with the banjo. So a lot of that music isn't passed down. A lot of that black banjo music isn't remembered or passed down. And that's why it's so important to like, to hear what Rian and Giddens is doing and, and uh, the Carolina chocolate drops to them and how they've preserved some of this music, you know, um, which is really cool um, that they're doing that because there is such a rich tradition, like you're saying with the blues, like the, a lot of that music, that blues music, uh, remains, or you, you can like look up source recordings of it, but I feel like some of this like black string band music, uh, didn't get remembered, um, or passed down. There's no way to record it, you know? Of course. Yeah. You cannot really time travel. Yeah. <laughs> That's very interesting. Uh, yeah. thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We'll, uh, we'll put of course links to all of these, uh, bands and ensembles Absolutely. that you've mentioned online because I think that it, this is a very interesting I had no idea about yeah. that I I, I I know just a little bit of West African music and uh, we talked about how the banjo comes possibly from Biaconting or Vengoni or these lutes because um, they have lots of similarities and I read a couple of articles talking about you know the blues mainly but uh, it's very interesting to hear 
uh, I didn't expect them, it's but a, yeah. it, it yeah. does make sense, of course, uh, as a conscious choice. Uh, remove the stigma, forget the repertoire. Yeah. Fair enough. I and mean. it got accepted more <laughs> um, as like a white instrument. And so I like we, we do have to recognize that there is a deep heritage of this music as white Southern music. So there's like a lot of um, there's a lot of uh, tradition with like a, being a white Southern instrument, too. So there's a it's a mix because it really is important to the South, the the, the music that was played in the 1860s and 1830s, you know, um, as primarily a white Southern instrument. So you can't say one isn't valid, you know, uh, because it's it's a mix. They influence. Sure. It, it influenced each other. And it's. Yeah, and I know that there's a lot of tension there. There's a lot of argument. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's just, it makes the banjo one of the most fascinating instruments to me. It's, it has such a history that's just incredible, you know? Absolutely. Fair enough. And also, it's, I think it's, personally, I, I really appreciate the fact that um, people are aware of that conversation and, and, and these things are being discussed because that's also quite important, uh, sometimes more than the outcome, mm, yeah. you know? We, we, we can have no judgment. I just think that it's good that people are talking about it. But uh, yeah, yeah, totally. Sure. Yeah, Thank totally. You. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, so I mean, going off of that, I suppose um, we, we've talked about Rhiannon Giddens and like and, the Car- and Caroline Chocolate Drops. And, and, you know, I think that those I mean, Rhiannon Giddens, I think, is I, I she's my favorite banjo player right now, other than you. But um, so but I mean, in <laughs> what other ways um, is old time music and the banjo? How how has it evolved into the 21st century? Like, what are we seeing now that is really taking it into this next um, into its next stages of development, I suppose? Yeah, um, I think right now the banjo um, it's just being creatively used as I think people are using it in new ways. I mean, like you said, with YouTube and the internet, now we can see different traditions, um, from other cultures. And I think people are putting more of other cultures into the banjo. Now we're kind of spreading, we're mixing cultures a little bit. And I think that's really exciting. Um, because I'm not a duplicator. I'm not a replicator of tradition. I love, I love people experimenting and creating new things. So uh, to take a positive spin on all this, I think it's really cool to be mixing like different traditions, like you said, with Rian and Giddens and um, the uh, Italian uh, uh, opera singer, did you say? No, he um, he is an accordion player. Oh, okay. I need to listen to that. I have to listen to it. I might be saying his name wrong and I will edit that in post, but he's (laughs) (laughs) anyway, yeah, we can just add that in there. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, so I just, I love that mix and I think that's really exciting. Um, having the banjo used in different ways like that. I mean, we're hearing like, I mean, there's, you know, bands using, uh, rap, uh, with banjo now and kind of like, just breaking down some barriers that were always there, and I—that's really cool. That youth, that 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 youth, that fl- that flavor, that like experimentation is happening. But it also shows that it, it still has a pl- that, that sort of sound still has a place in the collective imaginary, and you know it, it can be reinvented. Uh, yes. Yeah, I, I love all sorts of things that are happening around the world with hip and hip hop. It's mm-hmm. usually the 
the carrier of these of these things. Sometimes jazz, but jazz it it it, it lacks uh, for certain things lyrics yeah. primarily. Usually, it happens with uh, more instrumental melodic heavy traditions like you know middle eastern music and there's a lot now happening in mediterranean jazz yeah. for example but w when this happens it, it, i think it still shows that you know and it's, it's one way of keeping it alive even if one person out of uh, two million that probably listened to it in the first week was interested that's at least one person mm -hmm. more yeah you know? And I uh, loved how you used the word reinvent. Like, that's exactly what's happening. Like, I think it's not just being used in country music or commercial country. Um, it's being used in all different ways and places, like you said, in jazz or um, even in musical theater, you know, and yeah. uh, just in different places. It's great. It's it's a versatile instrument. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Um, so now that we've I know we've talked so much about it. Hillary, would you mind playing some sure. stuff for us? Oh, yes. Um, yes. I am going to play... Um, actually, I'm just going to play a traditional old-time tune um, because I'm recording an album next... In, like, two weeks, I'm going down to Virginia to record an album. Congrats. So I'm just going to play a tune um, that I'm going to record on that. Um, yeah. So this one is... It's going to be a medley, and it is... Granddad's favorite into Fort Smith breakdown. Two songs.
Thank you. That was beautiful. Oh, cool. <laughs> I always feel so like that's my favorite part of doing these interviews because I always feel like I'm I'm in a little concert and I'm so thankful like yeah. <laughs> every time like a guest shares like their music. So thank you, Hillary. That was so beautiful. Yeah, thank it's you. It's one of private sulfur sound, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, that's cool. Yes. Thank you. Cool. Thank um, you. Hillary, ah. could I ask you, uh, would it be possible to play like a short fragment also of uh, bluegrass? Uh, since sure. we talked about it, yeah. I, I, I'm curious and I'm sure people are also curious to hear uh, the difference possibly. Um, Hillary, can you just quickly tell us where was that last song from granddad's favorites from west virginia and fort smith breakdown is from Ar arkansas the ozark mountains nice yeah and thank you yes. thank you so much so now um for those listening hillary now has out her uh resonator banjo um and she put on her finger picks Right. And now yes. and she's going to show us some bluegrass now. So so y'all are going to be able to hear the difference between the old time and bluegrass a little bit. Yes. And I just want to make sure I'm not peeking out while I do this. So okay. I'm just going to do a little sample because this is going to be louder. OK, good. Looks good. All right. So I'm just going to play like a little sample here. Okay. Uh, so this is the resonator banjo. So you can hear it. It's a little bit louder. So. bluegrass banjo amazing i i was gonna say it, it's definitely much much busier melodically and uh, I, I was gonna use the word fiddly uh believe it or not but <laughs> <laughs> yes right yeah i've heard that a lot from people too yeah i hear that oh my god i've never thought of it like that but that actually makes perfect sense um Hillary, thank you so much for going through both of those styles for us. Um, it's been such a joy to have you. Uh, now, just last thing before we go, what are your upcoming projects? What is next for you and the banjo? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I have a bunch of stuff coming up, but I'm really excited about, um, I have a project coming up uh, that's classical contemporary music with uh, banjo, piano, and modular synthesizer. And we have a whole album um, that is very cinematic and it's finger-picking banjo and it's absolutely beautiful. Um, we're actually doing a performance um, with that's going to be set to silhouette puppetry. Oh, wow. wow. Nice. You know that Indonesian puppetry that's like cut from paper and we're projecting it on the wall and we're playing this music um, to the puppetry and it's going to be a great multimedia experience. Um, so look out for that album. It's going to be called Open the Doors and that should be coming out like late November and December. Amazing. That sounds incredible. Are you aiming on filming the performance as well? Uh yes, we are filming. We're documenting it so that hopefully we can get some other artist residencies and develop it even more, uh, with the puppetry. Um, so we will be filming that and actually I think it's live streamed as well. Uh, but yeah, it will be filmed. 
Well, we're looking forward to that, then, yeah, I guess, nice. <laughs> as well. And then otherwise, I'm recording a traditional banjo album in Virginia in two weeks with um, a guitar player, a great guitar player named Reed Stutz, and we're making a duet, duet album. Um, so that has some original music on it and some traditional music and should be coming out probably November. So please look out for that stuff. Beautiful. Thank you so much. That's incredible. Well, you, I mean, you inspire me to just, you know, I don't, this might sound like mushy gushy, but to like live my truth. And like, you've really, I mean, I'm just so thankful and so appreciative that you were able to come on and talk to us about all of this today and the banjo and everything. And because it's, you really, you were the one who really, um, who brought it to me and like, who made me, you really made me like appreciate it. And I appreciate you being here. And all that you do for music, Hillary. You guys are amazing. Yeah, thank you for having me. Oh, and then the other thing I wanted to mention was just to keep a lookout for black banjo players and female banjo players because uh, they're out there and they're just not as well known sometimes. So please uh, support those people and um, and keep this keep this going. Keep this music going. I mean, yeah, we could not agree more and we are just so thankful that you came on the show um thank you for taking the time to talk to us about all of this and we will obviously have links to a variety of different artists on the website um, including links to hillary but hillary uh, could you just let us know where we can find you on the uh on the internet <laughs> um i would say hillaryhawkmusic.com is uh my website h-i-l-a-r-y h-a-w-k-e music.com and on instagram i'm high atmosphere and that's m-i-s-s in the high atmosphere and you can also put in my name uh and you'll that'll come up um and follow me on there because i'm posting banjo stuff and more so this coming month um and onward but yeah it'd be great to see you on there thank you hillary thank you thank you so much for coming this is really inspiring thank you so much Thank you for listening to this episode of Roots, a music podcast. We release new exciting episodes fortnightly, so make sure you follow us on your favorite streaming platform and at Roots Music Pod on social media. Remember to check out www.rootsmusicpod.com where you will find resources and recommendations to discover more about the music we've explored together for the past hour or so and more music from the fantastic musicians that have guided us through this journey. We'll see you in a couple of weeks.